morning, Bethany. Welcome to worship. My name is Deb Clark. Bethany has learned to be an affirming and inclusive community. All are welcome here. For myself, I am a person of a certain age and appreciate the continued connection between Bethany and the surrounding community for help and support, mutual support often. As a retired educator, it helps to be connected through Bethany to the community. Outreach that Bethany continues in Tacoma. Bethany keeps us in touch with those needing to be connected to a church family. Welcome to you if you are hopeful or weary, fearful or trusting, black or brown or white, straight, gay, lesbian or transgendered, joyful or grieving. This is a place to remember. I am a child of God, holy and beloved. Please say that again with me. I am a child of God, holy and beloved. All are welcome to this space because God has welcomed each of us, strangers and friends, and we are welcome to one another. The Bethany Faith community is active and engaged, and here are a few current announcements. We are claiming a journey to wholeness, God's shalom, during this season of Lent. Please check out the various resources and opportunities to journey in our weekly email. A daily devotional is available to each of us to use during Lent. This week, on Tuesday night, we have an interfaith encounter at 7 p.m. with our Jewish and Muslim faith pilgrims. You can still register to participate. Our Christian Education Committee wants to support parents in their desire to raise a new generation of young people who can move us to a new place in regards to racist attitudes. Please see the weekly email and register for Dr. Jennifer Harvey's course, Raising Anti-Racist White Kids, a step-by-step guide to parenting for racial justice, hosted by Laura Johnson. A new member class will be offered with Pastor Joyce, an elder and a deacon, on two Saturdays in March. 10 a.m. to 12 noon, March 6th, and March 13th. Choose one to attend. March 6th will be a Zoom. March 13th will be at Jane Clark Park in person. Come explore the meaning of membership at Bethany. Register online. If you would like to learn more about us, contact our church administrator, Katie Sutliff, at bethanypresstacoma at gmail.com. Let's listen to the call to worship that comes from Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O God, I put my trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Make me know your ways, O Lord. 
teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. We worship God together. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out our transgressions, wash us thoroughly from our iniquities, and cleanse us from our sins. For you know our transgressions and our sins are ever before us. Against you alone have we sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. But we continue to pray before you as we sing together.
If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Behold, the past is finished and gone. All is fresh and new. Therefore, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. We are on this journey of life together. Even in these challenging times, so now as a community of friends and family gathered in spirit, I offer you the peace of Christ. May the peace of Christ be with you. Please greet one another with the peace and love that is God's gift to us this day. Take a moment to write your blessings in the comment section and to check in with your community. Hi, Bethany. Happy Sunday. I hope you're well. As you can tell, I am not filming this on Sunday. I am filming this on Ash Wednesday. You can see the little ash cross. It's actually dirt from my garden that Tay and Lucy put on my forehead this evening. But uh, anyway, today we're going to be learning about Lent because some of you might be like, what is Lent? I'm new to the church. Is that like on your sweater? Is that like Lent, like you lent somebody something? Um, but Lent is actually a Christian holiday that we celebrate. It's the time before Easter, and we're going to learn a little bit more about it in our book today. And our book is one of my favorites. It's called Make Room. It starts like this. This is the season of Lent. The church is dressed in purple. So when we're meeting in church, a lot of times we hang a lot of purple cloths and all sorts of decorations that are purple for the season of Lent. The world outside has its own seasons and its own colors. These days we are in the gray time between winter and spring. Some mornings the puddles are frozen hard and the bare branches of trees scrape a snow white sky. That was definitely true this week. Other days, the air is warmer, ice is melting, and the air smells faintly of damp earth and rotting leaves. Under the ground, seeds and bulbs are sleeping, dreaming in shades of green. We are all waiting for spring. In church, we are waiting too, waiting for Easter. And while we wait, we get ready. Making time. Long ago, Jesus went out alone into the desert to get ready. Deep inside, he felt that God had important work for him to do, but he needed help to see clearly the way ahead. For 40 days and 40 nights, he was in the desert by himself, wandering, talking with God, listening, making choices. I wonder why Jesus went into the desert. Maybe it was quiet and still. Maybe Jesus thought he could hear God better there. Maybe he needed time to listen. So he, wouldn't, so he would know which way to go. During Lent, we make time to be with God. Every day we talk with God in different ways. Sometimes we pray with words. Sometimes we sing or listen to music. Sometimes we get out paints and crayons and create many colored prayers. Colors are like a different language we can all speak. Even when we have no words, God understands. At other times, we make silence. We turn off the television and the music and we stop talking for a while. Then we practice listening. Sometimes we read stories from the Bible and we wonder about what God really means. Sometimes we just sit and rest in the silence. During Lent, we pay attention to the silence. 
we think about the questions we make during the year. We ask ourselves hard questions. Does what we say and do make a difference or not? Does how we live make God happy or not? Is there anything we need to change? Lent lasts for 40 days and 40 nights plus six Sundays. We count the days by snuffing out purple candles, one for each week. 40 days is a long time, but it takes a long time to get ready. So when we're meeting at church um, and children's church, we celebrate Lent in a lot of different ways. So I would encourage you to talk with your families about ways that you could celebrate Lent this year. It could be that you maybe are giving something up that makes you feel like you are living in a way that is better with God. Maybe it means that you're, you're doing something. Maybe that is some kind of volunteering or helping or praying. Um, it doesn't, it could be either way. You could, you could give something up, maybe take away some TV time during the evenings and make time to be together as a family, or you could add something like, like volunteering. So there's lots of different ways to celebrate Lent. There's not a right or a wrong way. Last year, I celebrated Lent by finding a song that was meaningful to me each week and listening to it that reminded me of Lent. So there's lots and lots of different ways that you can celebrate. And uh, I encourage you to talk to your families and come up with ways that you can participate. So uh, I hope that you all have a wonderful rest of your week. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, bye. Good morning. My name is John Leary, and I'm one of the members here at Bethany. And Pastor Joyce has asked me to give a short dissertation, if you will, of my journey, and I'd love to share that with you this morning. Let's start off by saying that I was born in a small town in New Jersey in 1942 to a very strict Catholic mother and father. I was raised totally in the Catholic environment, Catholic grammar school, Catholic high school, Catholic college. However, my learning was, as I say, strict Catholicism. When I was young, I was very, if you will, open-minded. I had friends that I played with all the time who were African-American. And I didn't know because nobody told me. They were my friends. We went to their house for dinner. They came to our house for dinner. And that's basically the way it was. And nobody, nobody was anybody the wiser. There was no such thing as, well, his skin color is different. She's not tall enough. Those things didn't matter. We were friends. We played together. We went to school together. And things like that. As my life grew... I was still acutely naive to the ways, if you will, of the rest of the world. There was no such thing to me as black or white or anything else. I had friends and that was it. I joined the military and unknown to me, my racism and my naivety continued. 
because I didn't see any differences with anyone. And then things began to go down the drain. I moved from New Jersey to Miami, Florida at the request of my brother and sister-in-law and I met the lady who I now am married to for 42 years and her three children. And I am a firm believer in the old saying, love me, love my daughter. I had no choice. But in moving from New Jersey to Florida, I had no tools at all to understand what was going on. I still didn't get it, if you will. I still don't know what it is. And something came along called Hurricane Andrew. And through Hurricane Andrew, which occurred in Miami in 1992, our Lord taught me the most valuable lesson that I have ever learned in my life. Things don't matter. People do. And my one concern through the whole thing was that my wife and my children were safe. Nothing that we lost mattered. And he continually drove that home over and over and over as we discovered things that were quote unquote missing. But it didn't again make any difference. As I look at you all today, I am a member of this congregation. I have learned much. Yes, people are different. But God created. And he created all of us. And I am so thankful to be here and so thankful to accept each and every person for who they are not for what the world says that they are. And for that, I thank Pastor Joyce, and I thank my brothers and sisters who are also members of his congregation. Thank you. Our scripture reading today is from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, as for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations, I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant 
that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. Listen to God's word for us. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The word of God for the people of God. Will you join me in prayer? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. As a pastor, it is always a privilege to reside at the baptism of a young infant, a baby who doesn't know what is going on, or an adult, a new believer, who is taking the plunge for the very first time and is baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When a person is baptized, a congregation makes promises and pledges to that person. The question that we answer is this. Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture the person named in baptism with deed and love and prayer, encouraging them to know and follow Christ and to be faithful members of Christ's Church? Do you? I have never met a congregation that didn't take these vows seriously. When I was a pastor in Colorado, I recall one morning in a hot July day going out very early to the Arkansas River with a great big pole for one of our men in the congregation who was a new participant, had given his life to Christ and he wanted to be baptized, immersed in the Arkansas River. So I needed to get down early to this fast-flowing stream, river, to see where it was flowing that day and to make sure that the elders who went into the water with me would not get stuck in the current. So at the end of the service, we all left the sanctuary. Some drove, some walked down to the Arkansas River. And the elders and this gentleman and myself hiked our way down to the edge of the river where he went in and was dumped and baptized. And the congregation was watching on the overpass, looking down on the river during this very holy moment 
when they took very seriously the vows that they had made to support this man, to support anyone who is baptized in our midst. We promise, we promise to raise them in the way of faith, to teach them the stories. So many congregations have taken it very seriously when people want to make sure that we have a Sunday school. And so people carve out time to prepare their lessons, to teach the children, to teach the adults our faith. We provide vacation Bible schools and camping opportunities and scholarships and college scholarships and even college chaplains. And one day we'll open the church for a wedding for those who are baptized and not. And then someday there will be a memorial service or a funeral. And on our liturgy, it says that in our death, our baptism is finally complete. As Presbyterians, as you know, we sprinkle and we pour and we dunk and we immerse. Honestly, it doesn't matter how the water washes over one, because it is God that claims each person who is baptized as a new creation in Christ. And we are called to rise out of the waters of baptism to be a new person on the journey with God. Pretty exciting stuff. And in our Old Testament passage today, we're given a, a symbolic interpretation of the waters of baptism. As Noah and his family entered the ark, it became the instrument of salvation from the flood waters. Those tremendous waters of destruction that brought death to so many people on the earth and the animals. If you recall, God was fed up with the creation. Human beings had gotten so evil and so nasty to one another that God decided God was going to start all over again and draw one family onto an ark with all the animals that God had created or a representation thereof. And then in our passage today, we see God promising never ever to destroy again by putting a rainbow in the sky, a sign of this promise. And the promise is not only to the human creatures, but to all the beasts of the field, every living creature, every bird, every domestic animal, every animal. For God had judged the people of the earth and found them wanting and punish them with destruction. Is God repenting of God's ways? I do not know. But I do know that in this moment there is a blessing, a promise, a cherishing of God's creation. We get a sense of the peaceable kingdom, which we read about in Isaiah chapter 11. The wolf shall lie down with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze together. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw with the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the ass. And the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. 
as the waters cover the sea. Amazing images of the beauty of creatures living together in peace. This is a vision of what heaven will be like. But can we have more of this heaven on earth? Once again, in the Gospel of Mark, a lot is happening in a few short verses. John the Baptist prepares the way, announces the coming of the reign of God, the peaceable kingdom, that it's at hand, and Jesus is the one who will usher it in. And the heavens are torn apart, and the Spirit descends on Jesus and says, You are my beloved Son. I am pleased with you. And Jesus is then driven into the wilderness by the very Spirit of God, where he spends 40 days, which is a sign to us of wandering and wilderness, of all the temptations of life and the realities that we experience, and they all come together for Jesus in those 40 days in the wilderness, where he is preparing for his ministry. Satan is there, the one who represents all evil. There are wild beasts there, and the angels, the heavenly hosts, wait on Jesus. All of the created orders are present with Jesus in that time. In this, his rite of passage, his vision quest. And the wild beasts are not there as enemies or agents of the evil one or destruction. They speak of the creation, of that God loves the creation and it surrounds Jesus. I think it means that God loves your pets and mine. God loves our horses and our sheep and our cattle and chickens, our dogs and our cats and our guinea pigs and fish, and yes, even snakes. God loves the animals, even the ones on the verge of distinction, extinction. God cares. And then in our text, John is arrested. And when we see that Jesus' ministry must begin, it is urgent. He can't wait around anymore. It's time to take on the mantle and get to work. We note that in the Gospel of Mark, this first chapter has an arrest, and the last as well. For as John is arrested, Jesus will be arrested as well, arrested by the powers that be in Jerusalem, Roman and Jewish authorities that want to stop the work of the kingdom. They try to bring justice by destroying John and destroying Jesus. We know that the story has a different ending. That the rainbow in the sky is a promise that destruction is never the way to the peaceable kingdom. When you and I request baptism, we are asking that our children and ourselves be allowed into the ark, into the covenant community, into the ark of salvation, which becomes the body of Christ, the church. This is the ark that saves us through the floods, the trials, and the 
temptations. Baptism is a rite, it's a ritual, it's a sacrament. But it's a holy sign that you and I belong to God. And that we are beloved. And that we're made in the image of God. And that all lives are holy. But when people don't agree with us, and when they harm us, there's this deep-based desire in us as human beings to want to destroy or get rid of the other. When our wants become more important than others' wants, we might just want to put them aside so that we can get what we need. I now live in Grays Harbor County and often travel into Aberdeen, which the signs say is the lumber capital of the world. Some know the story better of Aberdeen and lumber than I do. In this congregation, you've told me. But there still is a lot of lumber that goes out from the Pacific Northwest to the country and to the world. The, the economy of Grace Harbor is very different now than it used to be because many of those resources, that lumber, has been used up. And that's what we humans do. We have also, as a family, lived in the shadow of gold and coal mines in our lifetimes. And we've seen the land stripped and polluted. We've seen animal habitats affected as well. We consume, and sometimes the land is baptized with fire. This move to consume, to destroy God's creatures and God's creation. A sad commentary on humankind. And then these days, there are threats against our public servants. Maybe it's time for a flood again. Never, says God. I understand you, like other congregations where I have served, have been moved by the works of Brian Stevenson and his book and the movie called Just Mercy. It speaks of the incipient creep of drug addiction in our country, of, of systems that say three strikes, you're out, which have sent so many people of color into our prison system. It speaks of the prison industry that is out of control, that is connected to our judicial system. And maybe we're in need of a flood. But God says, never again. Rather, we are always in need of grace and mercy. Brian Stevenson writes, We are all implicated when we allow other people to be mistreated. An absence of compassion can corrupt the decency of a community, a state, a nation. Fear and anger can make us vindictive and abusive, unjust and unfair. 
until we all suffer from the absence of mercy and we condemn ourselves as much as we victimize others, the closer we get to mass incarceration and extreme levels of punishment, the more I believe it's necessary to recognize that we are all in need of mercy. We need justice. And perhaps we are all in need of some unmerited grace. End of quote. God says, never again will I destroy. Rather, I'm going to pour out mercy. I'm going to send Elijah to announce the coming of the Messiah. And I'm going to come myself and walk this earth and live in your midst and give you a glimpse of the glory of grace. Each person will be treasured and valued, and this creation, all of it, is holy. Can you see it? During this season of COVID, we've all learned to wash our hands more often and for longer than we did before, because we want to protect ourselves and those we love. Lent is a time see that God wants to wash us clean and to work through everything to make it good. And it begins with my life and with yours. To see that God is working all things together for good with the human creatures and with all creation. Romans chapter 8 provides powerful words for us. Starting at verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we wait for adoption and the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to God's purpose. So as Noah and his family opened the great door of the ark and claimed that olive branch of life, we rise out of the waters of baptism, wipe the water out of our eyes, and seek to see the world through the eyes of a world created good, where perfect justice will be accomplished one day. For if you and I were judged for all the wrongs that we had done, we could be trapped in our trouble. But God has extended a great measure of grace and mercy to each one of us. And so with our eyes open, we seek to extend that grace and mercy to others. Even those we don't like, we don't agree with, 
for those who have hurt us. That is the journey of Lent to wholeness. Thanks be to God. Amen. to share a joy 
that you've experienced recently or a concern, a prayer request. We welcome those and the privilege of praying with you um, as we offer our prayers together before God.
Let us then join in prayer now. God of all creation, thank you for the gift of this beautiful creation, for the wonder of all living things. Thank you for the gift of clear, pure, sparkling water that nourishes us and cleanses us. We give you praise for the promises in the sky for our journey. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Even when the flood waters rise, when the hurricanes blow, when the snow piles up and frigid temperatures stop the systems that keep us safe and warm, even when a pandemic changes everything about our lives, you are with us. And you give us stories of our faith, of people who have journeyed before us. We especially thank you for those who have gone before us, who have taught us, and we thank you for those who journey with us now. We thank you for each one, and for those who are different from us, who give us a sense of awe and wonder at the other, and teach, continue to teach us. And when we want to judge or discount, discount another, we remember your grace and mercy poured out to all of creation. And we run back to you and ask that you teach us how to walk in your way, in your footsteps, learning the rhythm of your gate, so that we can be faithful as we follow the Christ who taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, our mother who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen Receive this wonderful Lenten blessing from Romans chapter 8. Know that in all things we are more than conquerors through the one who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Journey on then in the power of God's love, the fellowship of the Spirit, and the grace and mercy poured out to us through Jesus the Christ. Amen and amen.